Welcome to Disputes Digest. Today is March 29th, 2021. I'm Chris Campbell. Don't forget to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn to stay up to date with news from around the world of international dispute resolution. We begin this week out of the United States Supreme Court as the High Court announces that it will rule on the question whether Section 1782 discovery is available for use in private commercial arbitrations. The case, Servitronics Inc. v. Rolls-Royce, is the latest in a series of U.S. jurisprudence examining if U.S. federal courts may authorize discovery pursuant to the U.S. Federal Code, specifically 28 U.S.C. Section 1782. The disputes between the parties was initiated under the rules of the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators in the UK and claimant seeks discovery pursuant to Section 1782 and seeks assistance from the U.S. federal courts. However, the Seventh Circuit held that Section 1782 may not be used to aid private commercial arbitration, as it felt that the application of this rule would conflict with the provisions of the Federal Arbitration Act. The court will hear this case later this year and hopefully settle the hotly contested issue under U.S. arbitration law. Then, news out of Singapore as a local court rules that there is no default rule that indemnity costs should be granted where an arbitral award is unsuccessfully challenged in court. In the case BTN versus BTP, the Singapore High Court confirmed that an unsuccessful application to set aside an arbitral award or to resist enforcement of the same is not, in and of itself, an exceptional circumstance in which indemnity costs may be ordered by the Singapore Court. In particular, the court made its ruling based on several points. First, unmeritous application is not a necessary element for an arguable case that hints at bad faith so long as it justifies cost. Two, that there must be proof of undue prolongation of an economic inefficiency to justify assessing the cost. And three, if a party is unnecessarily prolonging a proceeding, they will not be entitled to cost, all of which appear to be the case here. The case highlights a key distinction between the procedural laws of Singapore and Hong Kong when it comes to unsuccessful set-aside applications related to arbitral proceedings. The defendants had sought to rely upon the default rule under Hong Kong law, pursuant to which indemnity cost will be granted when an arbitral award is unsuccessfully challenged in court, unless special circumstances can be shown. The court disagreed. More information can be found in the show notes. Then, the International Bar Association, IBA, announces its revised rules for taking evidence in international arbitration. This comes some nearly 20 years after their introduction and about 10 years after their first revision. The rules are intended to supplement the procedural rules in arbitration proceedings with regard to evidentiary issues. Most arbitration rules omit governing the taking of evidence in detail, but merely provide that the arbitral tribunal has broad discretion. The IBA rules aim to provide an efficient, economical, and fair process for taking of evidence. Some of the key changes address topics like cybersecurity, the process of logistics of document production, interviewing of expert witnesses, the general admissibility and assessment of evidence, among other topics. The full version of the rules can be found on the IBA's website. Then let's hop over to Canada where the Canadian Supreme Court found that ride-sharing giant Uber's arbitration clause is unconscionable and therefore unenforceable. In the case Uber Technologies versus Heller, the court ruled that Uber's standard arbitration clause was invalid. Namely, the court found that the language created, one, an inequality of bargaining power, stemming from weakness or vulnerability affecting the claimant, and two, resulted in an improved bargain. The court further noted that the determination that one party was aware that it was deliberately taking advantage of another's comparative disadvantage was not essential evidence for finding unconscionability. 
The impact of the decision is increased clarity on the standard that the Canadian court is willing to enforce with commercial arbitration agreements in the jurisdiction. Then, following up on our previous episode, another country ratifies the New York Convention for the Enforcement of Arbitral Awards. On March 17, 2021, the Iraqi Parliament ratified a previous decision of the Iraqi Cabinet to accede to the New York Convention. The decision to ratify the convention has been in development for a number of years as Iraq has, in principle, accepted the terms for quite a long time. As the convention goes into effect, it will apply only to contracts arising post the March 17th ratification of the convention. This decision comes after the International Conference for Reconstruction of Iraq was organized by the World Bank and co-chaired by the EU and was established to provide some $30 billion in sizable reconstruction to the nation. From there, we head on to opportunities. First up in opportunities, the European Patent Office at The Hague is seeking a data protection lawyer to join its South Holland offices. The position requires two years of experience in data protection and privacy law and a familiarity with intellectual property. Additionally, citizenship in a European patent organization state is required. Then, global law firm Herbert Smith Freehills is seeking a dispute resolution solicitor to join its Perth, Australia offices. The ideal candidate would have two to five years of experience along with the background across a variety of commercial sectors and the ability to communicate effectively and manage time efficiently. More information can be found on the firm's website. Next, law firm Robert Walters is seeking a junior disputes lawyer to join its Dubai-based offices. The ideal candidate would have at least six years of experience in dispute resolution and ideally experience in investor state construction in the finance field would be a plus. Remote working options are available and interested applicants are advised to get in touch on the firm's website. Finally, on to events. First up for this week, the ICC's Young Arbitrators Forum hosts an event on March 31st titled, What are the Hot Topics Today and Tomorrow for Young Professionals? It is the first in a series of conversations that will focus on Latin America discussing contemporary issues in the region. Further information and registration is available on the ICC website. Then. Also on March 31st, the Lagos Chamber of Commerce International Arbitration Center, LACIAC, hosts the third edition of its live debate series. This version focuses on, should awards annulled at the seat of arbitration be enforced by courts in other jurisdictions? And finally, this session is sponsored in collaboration with Arbitral Women and will feature participation from friend of the show, Funke Adekoya. Registration is available on the Arbitral Women website. Then on April 7th, the Journal of Transnational Dispute Management announces two events to occur on April 7th. First up is a webinar series focused on multi-party cross-border litigation in Europe. The series features learned practitioners from around the world with different approaches to assessing cross-border disputes. Then also on April 7th, the journal hosts an event focusing on the taking of evidence in international arbitration, where they will discuss those same IBA rules revisions that we discussed at the top of the show. Registration for both events is available on the TDM website. Finally, in the world of events and webinars, is a final event titled From First Dispute to a Career in Dispute Resolution, and it is hosted by Clifford Chance, Fangda Partners, and the Chartered Institute of Arbitrators. The narrative around the event focuses on the fact that Africa, in particular, is a highly desired investment destination promising returns but also presenting significant risks and challenges. For as long as African inbound investment has been high on the investor's agenda, foreign and African lawyers from various jurisdictions have worked hand-in-hand in structuring foreign investment. 
as well as involving and resolving disputes arising out of Africa's investment regimes. More information is available on the African Arbitration Association's website. That's it for Disputes Digest this week. Before we get out of here, a big shout out to all the teams competing in the Vismut. The selection for the next rounds is occurring this evening, but I want to remind all of the participants, whether you're moving on or not, that having made it this far alone is a major step in your career and hopefully in joining the ranks of international dispute resolution professionals. Fingers crossed and best of luck in the results. And a big shout out to my team, the Charleston School of Law, who's competing as the first team from the state of South Carolina in the Vis. Congrats, y'all. One more thing, if you are a current or former Moody or just a friend of the competition, you should absolutely sign up for the Moot Alumni Association. It is the single largest gathering of friends of the Moot and they host fantastic events throughout the year. I am happy to be a member and an officer and would love to interact with you there. Okay, and final, final thing, shout out to the University of South Carolina Lady Gamecocks who are playing in the Elite Eight tonight for a chance at another championship in women's basketball. Don Staley has been a role model and shero of mine for a long time, and I hope she brings back some hardware to Columbia. Go Cox! That is it for this week. Remember to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn and leave a review if you can. Share with a friend or a colleague. Any comments or feedback for the show can be sent to talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. Until next week, this has been Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. We'll see you next time.